because I know these uh, the ride sharing services. It is essential that you get five star reviews. Um, right. You know, a four star is basically trash, and then anything else <laughs> is just like you know, three stars is I I died. Yeah, and then exactly. two, two is like the world exploded, and one, is, one. Is no like one's the, ever gotten a one. The heat death of the universe. Yeah. yeah. Um, so. So I, I have a uh, a kind of amazing story that I need to just start things off with, if you don't mind. Sweet. Yeah, I'm, I'd love it. So uh, last night, yesterday, this is a kind of a, th- a process. So yesterday at work, I felt like a kind of a strange pain in my lower abdomen. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I didn't think much of it. I thought maybe um, something I ate, you know, wasn't sitting well with my stomach or you never know. It's just kind of this kind of lower, very mild abdominal pain um and then later in the evening it started to get a little worse and then about the time i was about to go to bed it was pretty bad pain like abdominal pain right yeah and i um started you know doing the like classic kind of WebMD. (laughs) oh no (laughs) search and it cancer became pretty clear that i uh was gonna have appendicitis yeah you know and you know that's the the thing about appendicitis because it was in the right place it was like this lower right side abdomen pretty pretty solid consistent pain um oh man and the thing like i'm not one to like you know rush and like over overdo medical things unnecessarily but with appendicitis if you you know you have like 48 hours to kind of treat it right and otherwise, like, you, it can be fatal. And it can so, rupture, yeah. Exactly. And you just don't want to mess around with that. So I was starting to get pretty nervous about, you know, like, how how bad is it? How long can you wait? And it, because I had kind of first noticed it, you know, 12 hours before that, you know, am I already 12 hours into a potentially 24-hour window? You know, how much, how much time do I have here if this is really what it is, right? Yeah. So it didn't hurt that bad, but it hurt bad enough that it was, like, keeping me awake. And it was, I was nervous to like, I didn't want to take like a bunch of painkillers and be like, oh, it's fine then. And then just, you know, and have it break right, or whatever. So, so I, um, I set a timer, like an alarm to like wake myself up in the middle of the night and like check on myself. So I, you know, slept for like two hours and I woke up and it was, and it was, uh, you know, feeling even worse. So I called, I called the emergency room and I talked to a nurse and she like walked me through this kind of like 48 question survey and uh she was like you know have have you done this have you done that like you know just trying to kind of troubleshoot all these things and i answer all these questions and she like types these answers into the computer and the computer basically spits out a result and she says basically you need to go to the emergency room within four hours wow and i said well you know it's been hurting pretty badly for about four hours and she was like you should probably go now yeah so last night at two two in the morning i got in the car and went to the emergency room and uh got a bunch of bunch of blood work done i did a ct scan they like sent me through this amazing machine that like scanned my whole abdomen and uh you know waited for like an hour to like get the results which is kind of terrifying and the doctor comes in and says um everything came back negative and you just have some really severe constipation that's no uh, seriously dead serious that's what happened so i, wow. I straight up paid two hundred dollars for Just, for a doctor to tell me to take a shit you really need to poop yeah you're full <laughs> of poop full of poop wow um, that's a great story it's pretty good um that's and fantastic. It's, what's interesting what was throwing me off though is like i i didn't feel constipated because i had taken a shit like i don't know with like that day and what it was is that it was like constipated up like early on in the process so like oh. it was like higher up you know what i mean like if yeah. you think of yourself as a tube like the top of the tube was blocked okay 
not like you i think it's more common that like the bot the end of the the end of the road is uh blocked off but like the you know like the front of the road was blocked off so huh. okay. i was still able to like you know i don't know how far we want to go into this but um, let's go deep <laughs> um so it was and it what what it also meant like i've been constipated before like that's a thing that can happen um but it never in this spot in this place in this like i don't know it was kind of a weird weird thing so i don't know exactly huh. what caused it but um that was my that was my night last night uh, wow okay like a, so what what they give you did you have you pooped don't leave me in suspense yeah i've i've since pooped um okay. things are things are clearing out um Great. Yeah, they gave me they gave me some stuff that you mix in water and you know it's um it's over the counter it's like not really um it's not really rocket science it just kind of clears yeah. you out a little bit so um feeling better um, mostly I feel better knowing that my appendix is not on the verge of rupturing. Um, and if I only had to pay $200 for that, I feel pretty good about that actually. That's so a really good my, way to look at it. My insurance actually kind of, you know, hand, like I, I don't know if, I don't think I'm going to get a bill for that scan, um, mm-hmm. because they didn't mention anything about that. You know, they didn't, uh, they just said, cool, your copay is 200 bucks. So, um, yeah, to, to be able to feel confident about that, that was obviously the right thing to do. And I wouldn't have gone in if the nurse hadn't said, um, that it seemed pretty likely that it was appendicitis. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like she said, like, uh, you have four hours to get this checked out. And I was like, I think I've already, it's already been four hours. And she was like, yeah, just go, go in. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, that's really interesting. I was definitely, I was thinking either appendicitis when you started telling the story or kidney stones. I don't know. Yeah. Kidney stone was up on the list too. Okay, interesting. Well, you just call me next time. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. That's aw- That's a great story, man. Yeah, two uh, two hundred dollar poop story. Wow, that's um, that's awesome. I mean, I'm cool. I'm glad it worked out. Obviously, yeah. The, what I kept kept thinking was that like basically no none of these outcomes are good. Like obviously the best outcome is that you pay two hundred dollars to find out. Um, that it's nothing. Yeah. But you still paid $200 and, and spent three hours in the middle of the night. You know, like it, you don't, it's not something you want to do. Yeah. So like even the best case scenario is like kind of shitty. Yeah. But I think you've got the right attitude. Obviously. Yeah. Um, so last week I was on vacation and I was traveling and I wanted to uh, throw out a little uh, brainstorm idea I had. Okay. Hit me. Okay. So, Basically, I when I travel, I like to – I don't like to, but I usually take late-night fl- flights home. Um, they're usually just a lot cheaper, and I'm cheap, so I, I do that. And it's a common experience where maybe I've been on vacation with my family. Maybe I've been traveling for work, so I've been you know talking with a lot of people for many days in a row, and I've been traveling all day. So I'm kind of burnt out. Pretty much the last thing I want to do in those situations is is – chat with a, a driver like a rideshare driver who is kind of bored and chatty and wants to tell me about like their eye surgery and just wants to kind of like go on and on as if I'm like a bartender or something so here's here's my idea or suggestion I wonder if there's an opportunity for ride sharing apps to have a little checkbox or maybe a setting you can set as like a, a default but basically it would be some kind of indication or nudge that hey like i i prefer a lot of conversation i i'm i'd prefer not conversation that could either be something that is specific to that ride um i'm picturing something like when you're confirming the ride or something there's a little checkbox that you that maybe you it learns your uh, your preference, or maybe you have set that global feature and you can change it if you're feeling chatty or if you are normally chatty and you're just, again, in that you know specific case like I described. Because um, if I'm going to the airport like for, tra- for travel, like when I'm starting a trip, I'm actually quite chatty. I'm excited. I have a lot of energy. I've usually slept very well that night. So I'm kind of in that mode where I'm ready to adventure out and I usually am quite chatty. So the trip home, the opposite. What What do you think? Yeah, I think it's fascinating. Um, I almost wonder if you could take this a step further and do because I know these uh, the ride sharing services. It is essential that you get five star reviews. Um, right. You know, a four star is basically trash, and then anything else is just like you know, three stars is I I died. Yeah. And then exactly. two two is like the world exploded, 
and one is, one is no like one's the, ever gotten a one the heat death of the universe yeah, yeah. um so uh, <laughs> um so five is only is like passable five is you know just yeah. like that's the five way these is things, fine five is just fine yeah so <laughs> that's and that's the way they've set it up like if you get you know if you only get four star reviews like the um the service like will kick you out or they right. will you know they'll uh put a put your account on probation or whatever like they want you to have five stars every time yeah so i almost wonder if there's some way you could you could set up your profile as a writer to say if look if you want a five-star review here's my criteria mm-hmm. i want i want this is the playlist i like on spotify so you go yeah. ahead and get that going <laughs> don't don't ever offer me any food have you ever been in a in a car that offers you food? Not actually. No, actually, this has happened to me several times. Really, it's terrifying. Maybe you just like, look hungry, dude. A like a no, like a an <laughs> awkward um, jar of M Ms. <laughs> okay. Like, why do you have M Ms? And I'm not like not even like if they were packaged in a in a wrapper, <laughs> like that's one thing. But an open yeah. open container of M Ms. Do you want these poisoned M Ms? I don't want those. Um, <laughs> Or like they'll offer me like a stick of gum, and it's like I I'm just not gonna put nothing in your car can go in my mouth. That's just a rule I have. <laughs> is it too much to ask? So if you want if you want your five stars, which is I'm willing to give you, yeah, these are, are the stipulations that I require. Um, yeah, I want to give it to you. Help me. Help me help you. Help, exactly. <laughs> so no food. No here's, food. here's a here's a playlist uh don't talk unless i talk to you like let let me start the conversation and you'd think some of this is or you'd hope that I'm, it's I natural hope. yeah like i can only hope like you m- most people or you'd think would be would pick up on signals right social cues if, if i'm grunting at responses and i'm kind of on my phone and or i'm actively trying to nap for the 20 minutes you're driving me home probably don't want to hear about your cataract surgery right but i've found that people do seem bored like a lot of these drivers they've just been sitting around um or maybe they are more naturally social or whatever but a lot of people seem to want to chat yeah it's a real it's a real problem it is. I mean, I've heard other people complain about it too. And and here's and to be fair to the drivers, seriously, because I understand, you know, they don't know, right? Again, maybe you'd hope that people have enough emotional intelligence to kind of pick up on social cues or get a feel for, okay, maybe I'll, you know, I asked you how your trip was and, and you gave me kind of a short answer and then I asked to follow up and it was, you know, a grunt. So I'm going to pull back a little bit on the conversation bit. Um but hmm. air, I, I, air conditioning preference that could be a good one. <laughs> oh yeah yeah i want it as fucking cold as you can get i want a, a meat locker in there yeah <laughs> okay. i i am traveling with steaks yeah that i got on my on my trip and i need these steaks to be fresh <laughs> by the time i get home right i want them to be frozen they're not now <laughs> yeah <laughs> so it's it is that is very interesting. I like where you kind of took it to the next level of hey, I have these preferences. Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't care, right? But if you do have some preferences, um, mm, that would dr- be kind of a fun way, especially while you're waiting for your ride. Maybe right? Maybe you, you that's a good time to for it to prompt you and say, hey, like you know, would you want to make these selections or, or how would you mm-hmm. want to optimize your ride? I think um, that's part of the, uh, the selection process. You need that set in there so that when the, when the guy accepts picking you up, he's accepting oh, your terms. He can handle that. Yeah. Cause okay. you might have some weird shit. You might be into some weird shit, you know? Yes, definitely. He might not really be down for that. He you know? might not want to hear the Enya playlist. I have. I, up I only I ride, I only ride in ride shares naked. Oh, okay. You know, you yeah. gotta be into that. Right. Get the get the tarp. I I immediately get in your car and I take off all my clothes. Right. And and crank the AC down. It's super cold. Yeah. Well, you're 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 a unique man. I've I've driven with you before. And uh it's it's interesting. It's true. I give you 3 stars. Three and a half. As a as a rider. Um but they do, yeah. they do rate the riders, don't they? I I've heard that, but is is that true? 
I think so, and I think there's some way that you can go in and check your rating. Really? Mm-hmm. Wait, really? This is in, this is fascinating. I th- I've heard that. I don't know. This could just be a rumor, but I've heard this. Oh, maybe we'll follow up on. Yeah, this next I time. think we this is follow. Our... This is follow up worthy. I think. Okay. I want to check. I'm going to contact them if I can't find it, and I want to see if I can track down my rating. <laughs> I hope there's some like granular details. You know, I want I want some comments on. Uh, maybe they're going to be like grunts a lot, not good conversation. Yeah, one one star. <laughs> right, <laughs> a lot of one stars. Um, um, dr- you know, driving style would be a good one because I'm almost never in a rush when I take right. an Uber. I don't need you to run through that red light i don't need you to be swerving around these people like get me there safely and calmly like i don't want to be i don't want to be jerked around a lot while i want a smooth smooth and you know medium speed ride yeah that's interesting yeah conservative ride but i I could totally see somebody on the other side of that is like whenever i get in an uber i'm usually late and i need you to really get me there yeah so how are they supposed to know I don't know. I mean, it's like, where do you draw the line, though? Because obviously some communication is necessary. Well, and but what if, you've, what if you've explicitly said, I don't want to talk to you? <laughs> that's part of the that's well, you, part What of do it, you mean? Right? In per, like in person? No, no, no. If you've set oh. your settings that say don't talk to me, then the only way to communicate your <laughs> to preferences. Scroll something on a, yeah. on a piece of paper, throw it back in the back seat. Uh-huh. One time I had a, a guy who... Um, was deaf and he he did not speak either he was deaf and mute um driving me yeah and that was pretty cool because um he had a little paper that he held up that said hey i you know i don't speak um you know just you know like introduced himself basically so he held that up and i could read it and then he pulled up the phone and he pointed at it like asking me hey is this the right this is the right address i gave him a thumbs up and we drove in silence it was awesome i had the same guy yeah i had the same guy He was a cool guy he got really lost Oh no! Yeah. Oh no! He got really lost. Uh, it was a bit of a thing, but uh, it was fine. And that was that's so funny. Yeah, we got the same guy, huh? Unless Pretty there's cool. you know a handful of them. Um, but that's yeah, that's just a thought I had. I mean, I don't do ride sharing stuff commonly. Uh, it's really only to and from the airport, or if I have to drop my car off at the shop, uh, that kind of thing. So but, I'm curious. I'm curious about the airport, the economics of the airport ride, because okay. uh, leaving your car in the airport in Austin in the airport uh, long term parking is only seven dollars a night. Yeah. So if you're staying for five days, you're at thirty five dollars, and uh, Uber both ways is going to be, you know, about that same price anyway. Right. Yeah. You know, I a, used to live twelve dollar re- ride. Yeah. I used to live really close to the airport, and so it was mm, like fair. literally ten, eleven dollars. Um, but now even I've, then, on a th- yeah. uh, you know, if you're only staying for three, three nights, you know, somewhere, then yeah, you know, it depends usually, on how long your trips are. That usually, if if I'm going away for personal reasons, it's usually more than a few days, and if it's for work, they'll pay for whatever. Got and it. I, I do like the convenience of being dropped off, you know, right at the gate, and I can just get in and go. Mm-hmm. versus waiting for the bus, you know, out in the parking lot. It's just That's a luxury true. I've kind of gotten used to, and it, it is hard for me to, to let that go. Yeah, fair. So, yeah, it's interesting to to hear your thoughts on the ride-sharing stuff um, and all your other thoughts. But, yeah, that was just something that kind of stuck out to me. And, I, again, I've heard other people talk or complain about that, and it's an interesting topic because again it's like i i don't i think that's not only a valuable feature from the user side but also from the driver side because i again it's like you you can't expect these people to be mind readers or to be able to pick up on every interaction they're trying to drive right so they're already kind of focused on something else and so they're not going to be able to read your body language or your facial expressions exactly so i i empathize with them as well um but that that so that might be a real helpful indicator to kind of, and again it doesn't have to be heavy-handed necessarily as like i do not want you to say one word to me it could just be a little bit of a nudge is like yeah again i'd be curious to i don't know if you have any ideas on the fly as far as how you might communicate that or or the copy but obviously you could tweak that so that it's a little bit lighter maybe even um 
Yeah, what I, I don't know. Any any brilliant copy you can think of? <laughs> Put you no. on the spot? No, yeah. I, got, I got nothing. Fair enough. But the, but somebody who gets paid a lot of money could find a way oh, to yeah. to make that a little light and not have it be yeah uh, light light an touch. awkward thing. So yeah, I'd I'd like to see that. Cool. So for a fun topic, another fun topic that is, um, I wanted to just throw this out. I expect this to be a little uh, topic, but uh, as far as I saw this Reddit post about complaining about how Netflix has the the autoplay on videos. I, I don't think you watch a lot of Netflix. Is that right? Um, I uh, That's a tricky one because okay. um, there are times when I do get into it. Like if um, I'm not a I'm not a binge watcher. Yeah. And I'm not a watch everything kind of person, so I won't just turn it on and like, well, this is there's something good enough. Let me just put that on. Right. I'm very I'm very intentional watcher. And I like to find things that Chloe and I can watch together and kind of make a thing out of it. And I like to watch maybe like one a night. So this is actually kind of interesting, plays into the autoplay thing. Yeah. Um I'm more of a I'm not typically a binge watcher. So Got it. So, um, basically- so I watch I'd say I watch Netflix less than most people, but I still watch it. Okay, so basically the idea is that Netflix now, the interface, and I think it's been this way for at least a few months, maybe even longer, where if you just launch the web the web browser, or I think the app on anything, right, like on your Xbox, your smart TV, it's gonna, it starts auto-playing what's at the, that top kind of header area, and even if you're, I think, hovered over... Uh, a show it kind of it kind of pulls up the window to show you a summary of it and i think in some cases it'll even start auto playing a trailer uh of what whatever the show or, or movie is and there was this reddit thread that took off i think it had it had like tens of thousands of of upvotes and it was basically just people ranting and complaining about how how annoying that is how you know people have kind of stopped using it because it's annoying um but it really is annoying, and I, I I wanted to just like throw that your way, and it's an interesting bit of of backlash against UI, which is like not the first time that's happened, but um, I I have found that to be pretty annoying, and uh, I'm just I was just curious if you came across that or have thoughts about that. Yeah, the the thing it makes me think of, and I think it's a related topic, is the uh, trimming of the title sequences and credit sequences. Are you familiar with this one? Yeah, so you're you're saying it's like an extension of that. Yeah, so I think on I think if uh, I I can't remember the exact logic. I think it's only maybe on certain shows. Maybe it's only like Netflix originals, for example. Um, they and it may only be if you autoplay that next one, it will cut out the intro, so that if you're watching five shows in a row, you don't have to watch the you know forty five second elaborate kind of intro. That is the same every time. If you've just watched three in a row, you don't need that intermittent right. intro part. But, you know, some people say that that's kind of like a nice reset, a nice, you know, gets you in the mindset of like watching a new show and you've started over. Yeah. And it's kind of like a nice break point where you can kind of, I don't know, it's like a palate cleanser, right? Like you get to taste yeah, an to orange an orange in between your, your courses. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's interesting too. So I don't know, I guess um, because I don't, often binge watch the the biggest frustration that this uh gives me is that i have to hit stop uh before the next one starts yeah so i basically just i know when it gets to the end i'm gonna have to close out but typically i'm gonna have to stop it anyway i'm gonna shut the tv off and close everything down so to me it's not much more effort than um you know hit one more button to hit pause or whatever before the next one starts yeah, um, but I don't, I'm curious. Like, how would you describe the frustration from your? Yeah. Like, what is the most frustrating point <laughs> of it? Like, get to get to the root of this. Basically, the idea is like, so I usually only watch Netflix when I'm cooking dinner. So I'll like put on something light, like Arrested Development or something. Um, so I'll I'll have my computer and kind of like hook it up to my Bluetooth speaker, and I'll open the browser. And often I'm kind of I'm grabbing ingredients. I'm kind of I'm getting lighting the stove and. I don't always appreciate the fact that as soon as I launch that browser, it just starts blasting sound and I have to kind of scramble and panic to, you know, scroll down the the, the web browser page so it, it, you know, goes away from that uh, header, which is auto-playing, or I have to click into something or I have to slam the mute button. So it's just kind of this like jarring experience that, it, that happens actually 
surprisingly frequently. Like I haven't learned that I actually have to sit there, wait for the the page to load because it actually it'll start auto playing after I think like th- four or five seconds. So it's like a hand grenade. So the idea is like I'll load the browser, walk away, and start getting ingredients or something, and then boom, it, it jumps in. Uh, so it's it's actually like if it auto played immediately, it would almost be more less of an issue. And I think a lot of people had basically the same complaint that like all of a sudden like blam, it's like it's blasting on their speakers, and it's sort of this panicked moment where you're like you have to uh, you have to like turn it off and like let your adrenaline calm down kind of thing right whereas like the value in it like how often is that valuable i i really don't think it's it's really all that valuable i mean obviously it's there's some data scientist somewhere who says like okay if we if we preview this automatically there's some percentage increase of of chance that people are going to watch that or continue watching Netflix or something, right? There's got to be some reasoning for it. But as far as an experience, I think for a lot of people, it's it's like a, it's a negative. Interesting. Okay, so I think I, I just realized I think we were talking about different things. So I was thinking of like when you finish a show, it will autoplay the next okay. episode. And I got you're, you. You're talking about before you've even pressed play, it's, auto, it's autoplaying video and sound on the thing that you're kind of hovering over yeah i apologize for not being more clear you're right that's a thing but that's but what i'm talking about is that it's the autoplay preview yeah that's yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the thing that again i think it's been out there a little while but it it's something that continues to be annoying for me and it was funny to see that pop up because it was one of those threads that i was like yeah yeah i i totally i totally agree like it almost was kind of felt good to have other people you know explicitly state the same grievance i have yeah interesting so and i have no doubt i mean netflix is known for their um intensive or uh exhaustive i should say um a b testing on this type of stuff so they roll (laughs) things out to what's really nice about something like netflix they can they have such a large user base that they can roll something out to one or five percent of customers and get statistical significant data back you know, in probably like hours or at least a day, mm-hmm. you know, they can like, you can't really consider something statistically significant like that until you have, I don't know, you know, a hundred thousand impressions or something. So right. if they can get a hundred thousand impressions by giving it to 1% of customers, um, they can get a pretty quick read and say, um, feel quite confident that this is going to, you know, impact behavior in a certain way. And I think, um, the, I feel like since they've rolled this out, they've proven that at least whatever metric they're playing with, it may be frustrating to some users in a certain way. But if they're trying to, I would guess the metric would be something like um, likelihood to continue watching whatever you pick. Yeah. You know, so like they're trying to give you a preview so that you get excited about a thing. You see something that you really are interested in and you end up hitting play. Right. Right. And I don't think it does them any benefit of you hitting play, finding out you don't like it and then backing out and watching something else, right? Like they want, they don't want you searching through the interface. They want you sitting and watching, right? Cause that's uh, presumably how they make money is from, I guess, no, technically I guess they'd make more money if you don't watch anything. Cause they have to pay when you watch it. Right. I don't know. So that's interesting. I didn't hmm. really think about that, but presumably if you're watching it, you're happy. And if you're happy, you're going to subscribe next month. So that's probably the higher, um, the higher yeah. i don't know kpi for them so yeah they want to keep you they want to keep you hooked they want to keep you watching stuff that you like and finding stuff that you like so yeah um i'm sure that it it works it yeah you know like makes, to that, that ultimate sense. goal it's got to it, it has to if they do it but to me it's like okay well another example it would be like mcdonald's like doing testing on like new french fries or something they're like okay if we add 40 percent more salt like people people are going to be like addicted to this. They're going to continue to eat this. So they're going to really like enjoy the the taste of this. So it just feels like cram like cramming crap down your customers throats. Like, yes, it, there's enough people where it has that, that, that effect where it's, you're, you're selling your product and they're using your product, but at what cost? like at what cost of like the quality of the experience? Um, does that, does that make sense? Yeah. I'm- 
Sure, sure. And I wonder if the people who are yeah, complaining I, about this yeah, have I'm some kind of weird use case. From... And really, the majority of people, I mean, no one's going to write in to say, you know, I love this feature so much. You know, like it's it's the only kind of, like only the negative commentary is going to surface. Yeah. Um, the positive commentary just isn't that interesting. Um, but I wonder if the people who are complaining are just, um, you know, have some kind of use case that causes it to be inconvenient. Like your the example you said about trying to get your ingredients and thinking about cooking like that's not a typical movie watching experience and i can imagine if a family is sitting down in front of the tv in the living room they're all trying to decide what to watch pulling it up and having it preview something and for everyone to say oh that looks cool like we're Mm -hmm. watching previews in the movie theater and someone says no i don't want to watch that and you slide over to the next one and the preview starts up and it gives you a little taste of that one and everyone says oh that sounds great and then they decide great we can all decide as a family we want to watch this it was super easy. We just, you know, hover on two things and we can quickly decide what we want to watch by getting a preview and we're in and we're quickly watching something that we like. Yeah, I really like that point that, you know, people aren't going to call in and say, hey, we, we love that. We love that feature necessarily. Uh, I think for for the, the negative use case, um, what I was reading in the, in the Reddit thread most commonly, it, it was that use case coming up of people kind of having connecting their speakers or having loud Bluetooth speakers. And whereas if you start a show, you know, it kind of maybe fades in with credits or it, it starts out with the theme or maybe as the show's starting, you're, you're kind of sitting down at your, your, uh, in your chair with the controller in hand, you know, as, as a habit, you know, ready to adjust the volume. Whereas if you boot up your, um, your Xbox, let's say for example, when you open the Netflix app, you know, maybe you are moving around, maybe you're not expecting, things to start yet but again you have those loud speakers it's it's a specific use case but it, it i thought it was was funny there were uh other people that kind of had a similar reaction but i i really love your point about how again like you, you change something and not you know there's there's always going to be like a, a bit of backlash when you whenever you change ui for anything um would you would you say that is, is yeah. true yeah absolutely i mean and yeah. uh, just to go like this is perfect because netflix actually released a, a paper on this where every time they roll out one of those a b tests they mm-hmm. always see a drop off in the initial i don't know what it is 20 percent of the tests like the first oh. um the first 10 hours or something if they're gonna run a you know 48 hour test the first 10 hours it always performs worse hmm. and then if it's going to succeed it will slowly uh, recover from that and come out ahead or if it's going to fail it will slowly kind of dwindle at the bottom so wow. um, that's just I mean I think Netflix is a little different because uh, people who use Netflix know Netflix so they have like a returning customer base that's familiar with the product they don't have a lot of new customers right they're they're not um, yeah. you know it's not it's I guess a, a way like some products uh, most people coming to use them are using it for their first time in which case it doesn't really matter how you change the interface because it's your first time there. So you don't have any kind of basis to build it off of. But I would, I would argue that most of Netflix's customers, you know, probably use Netflix yesterday and the day before as well. So they will really experience that kind of churn on an interface change. Yeah, that makes sense. Cool. So you were going to tell me about Harmony this week. Yeah. So, um, I don't know if you got a chance to look into it or not, or if you know what Harmony is, but I guess Mm -hmm. people out there listening, um, it could be helpful to, to give a little background here about what this, what we're talking about, what this product is. Um, this is the kind of thing I classified in a product category called maybe IR blasters. And it's kind of a weird thing. I think there's some, uh, interesting opinions on the internet about whether this type of product should exist or should not exist. It's kind of a hack. Um, and so I think that's the argument for why it shouldn't exist. And, you know, if all of our devices were smart and work together and could communicate over the internet or, you know, over the local network, like you wouldn't need this product. So what it is in essence is a infrared, uh, you know, the infrared, same infrared, infrared technology from like a traditional remote control, just blasted out of a box when you send it a command and it attempts to control all the devices in your home theater setup. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's, that's a lot of detail. So I'm, I'm interested to hear those, uh, those specifics. I, I knew generally what it did, but that's, that's interesting. Yeah. So I think, um, one of the things, if I remember about the original, not the original Xbox, but the Xbox one, 
which was maybe like the third Xbox, um, it it had, I believe, or it was originally maybe supposed to have, you could probably tell me more about this being the Xbox guy, mm-hmm. had an an IR blaster built into it. Is that is that correct? <laughs> I don't know. And I do have an Xbox One. It's I only I only use it to watch Netflix. It's the world's most expensive Netflix player. Um, <laughs> so I, I couldn't really tell you uh what what is what does that do so the i think the idea was that the box itself would be able to control some of your other devices and it'd be able to turn on your tv it would be able to uh i think one of the features one of the key features of the xbox one if i'm remembering this was that it was supposed to allow for like it had multiple hdmi inputs in the back so you could plug your um like your cable box for example into the back of your xbox and have your tv um basically run your like cable box through your xbox and have your tv set to input on your xbox if that makes sense and then the you could like change channels from your xbox controller because the xbox would blast out the command for next channel to your cable box for example and they would like all stay in sync and it would you know basically you have one interface to all of your media center commands and you can like keep your TV set to the Xbox input and, you know, it would overlay kind of a cool modern interface on top of your traditional TV. That's bizarre. Cause I have an Xbox one and I've really never even heard of that use case. It very well may do that. And I bought it to, you know, play one game with friends that we played for a month. And then I, like I said, I really like kind of regretted that purchase, but, um, that's, yes. that's interesting. So I think they really walked it back. Like that was kind of their, they wanted to like really own this like media center, like be the app store marketplace, like be the, I think that's even why they were calling it Xbox one is because they wanted you to set your TV to input one. And they wanted your Xbox to be the, you know, outputting video into input one on your TV and, you know, own the entire media experience. Right. Which is an ambitious goal and it seems cool. But I think, you know, people weren't ready for that. It didn't it didn't work as well as you would expect. And that's the problem with like the the not working as well as you'd expect. That's the problem with these IR blasters, because they're not smart enough to they're not really communicating. They're just blasting out arbitrary commands that Mm -hmm. other devices are supposed to see and pick up. And if you have a little bit of interference, if somebody walks in between, they need line of sight. Like it's literally just sending light light beams through the air that are like little, you know, little dots of light that these devices are supposed to pick up and if it's not angled just right a command might not get sent but there's no way for the other device to recognize that it missed out on a command so things will get out of sync and you'll be sending the power on command uh when you're trying to send the power off command for example right because it's trying to you know and so you're turning one device on and one device off at the same time when you were trying to send turn both on for example so it can be tricky when it doesn't work, but the dream of it is kind of cool. So I have the um, Amazon Echo set up in, in the living room too. Um, and so I can say, um, Alexa, turn on the Apple TV and it will um, set the input to input number two, which is where the Apple TV is. It will turn on the Apple TV and it will turn on the projector. So basically everything kind of gets set up so that the Apple TV can turn right on. Um, And then I can say, uh, Alexa, turn on the Nintendo and it will switch to input number four, which the Nintendo Switch is on. It will, um, you know, the audio gets hooked up so that the sound goes to the right place, like basically routes all these things. And you kind of can set it up like almost like a command line interface and say, like, I want you to do this. I want you to, you know, turn this on. I want you to set this to this setting. I want you to pause four seconds because something has to initialize and then I want you to run this other command, right? So you set up these little scripts and if you kind of have it all set up right, you can kind of batch process the many devices in your, um, you know, home theater setup. And I think it can even um, be set up to like uh, turn off hue lights and things like that too. So you could, you know, whenever you ask it to turn on the TV, it could dim the lights or um, close the blinds or anything like that if you have more smart devices. So really cool in theory, but just, you know, 80% of the time, I mean, or, you know, 20% of the time or 10% of the time, it just doesn't work, you know? Right. So that's, that's part that's of it. That's no good, yeah. And, yeah, you can't rely on And maybe 80, 
you know, maybe 80% success rate is, um, not quite giving it the benefit of the doubt. Maybe it's, maybe it fails more like 2% of the time, but it's still enough. Um, and we talked about this a little bit with the, you know, voice assistants, like if you can't rely on something, it can be frustrating to, you know, give that command that you, that has worked 10 times in a row. And for the 11th time, it just doesn't work. Um, and there's really no rhyme or reason to why it just doesn't quite pick it up. And I mean, to be fair, there's a lot of moving parts in this system. Like, was it the echo that didn't hear me? Was it the device that, uh, you know, that was already turned on from some other, you know, someone turned it on with the other remote and it's, you know, now out of sync or, you know, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. So it's not great. The other problem with this device is that it has a really terrible app. And so, um, the, the theory here is that you can open up the app and instead of saying Alexa, turn on the Apple TV, you can tap a button that says Apple TV and it will run that same, uh, you know, script of commands and it will, you know, run all of those actions. And then, and you can also go in and, you know, make, uh, control unique devices as well. So you can, you know, navigate to the speakers, for example, and change the volume. Okay. So let me see if I get this right. So basically this is a kind of a hub for that connects your hardware to the, the, is an internet of things. Uh, let me see if I got this right. So basically you can program a remote control to, you know, certain buttons will, will do cer- certain customized things. Is that basically right? Yeah. Well, so, okay, there's one, one piece I may have left out here. Um, there's two versions of this product. There's one that comes with a physical remote control that looks like a traditional TV remote that you can, right. c- you know, you can set up commands and customize in that way. It actually has like a little uh, screen on it that you can kind of scroll through like a little touch screen which mm-hmm. is kind of cool. Um, but I didn't buy that version of the product. I bought the version that uh, is just the infrared blasting hardware box. Okay. So, and the way that I wanted to use it was just through voice commands with Alexa. So instead of picking up a remote and pressing a button, I just say, Alexa, turn on the TV. And the, that same command is is pushed through. I was going to say, if you're if you're using voice commands and this thing doesn't work every time, that's like that's two integration points that can both fail, whatever, 5% of the time, 10% of the time. So exactly. that's not great. Like, yeah. you, like you mentioned it before, I feel very strongly about this, especially with voice command stuff where there's just something about it that is frustrating if you give a voice command that's, again, it's supposed to be convenient – and I think maybe w- me slash we're a little spoiled in terms of, you know, when we use a mobile app or something, when we hit a button, it, j- unless the software is, is, is straight up buggy, I mean, it's going to respond to that press. It's going to work. And I wonder if we just got so used to that, that the misinterpretation on the voice command stuff, whether you just your phrasing is not quite right or it, it misinterprets something um it's just it is so frustrating to have to wait for it to reset say hey alexa again then give the command again it just it it makes me uh makes me angry <laughs> yeah <laughs> um it's true and i think you know to maybe to put some perspective in that i i do feel like we forget about the kind of the frustration the similar frustrations in everyday life like looking for the remote control, right? Like that's yeah. a frustrating experience too. Is it in the couch? Is it in the coffee table? Like, you know, like you don't think about that as a frustration or, um, you know, something I was thinking about or when we were talking about AirPods, for example, um, like you don't think of the frustration of unraveling the cable that is your headphones that has, you know, wrapped itself into a knot in your pocket, right? Yeah. Every time you pull out, you're like, oh, this is just a, this is a fact of the physical world. I have to untangle this wire. Whereas when you get AirPods and you get used to that, you just take them out and put them in your ears and there's never a cable, you know, and that's like a small frustration and people will complain, Oh, I don't like Bluetooth because you know, one out of a hundred times it doesn't connect or, uh, occasionally, you know, once every six months I let the battery run out without realizing it and the battery's dead and they think, Oh, my wired headphones, they never run out of battery and they always connect when I plug them in, but you still have to put in, you know, 25 seconds of untangling and effort to like get them ready and get them out. Um, and you don't think of that because for some reason, yeah, you know, these what's kind of funny physical things don't, they don't 
uh, collect in our head as like being as annoying the way software and digital things can be. Well, one of the things that's interesting is I feel like this ties back to our conversation about Netflix and that preview where is especially when when there's a new feature or if you buy a new product, you immediately you will notice the the flaws or the things that irritate you about it, but if you pull out your phone and have to untangle the cable as you've done hundreds of times, you know, maybe that that you don't perceive that as much of a as a hindrance, it becomes more of an autopilot thing or it's something you expect so much that it doesn't have the same kind of impact as, you know, you doing something that's new or do you feel like that's a factor? Yeah. Is, I mean, is there even some kind of evolutionary piece of this that, you know, humans have evolved to like untie knots for years, you know, like, you know, hundreds, thousands of years we've been untying knots. It's not really a problem. You know, you kind of, have a feel for that but these kind of newer robots digital things yeah (laughs) um they they don't kind of resonate as well with your like mental capacity to deal with frustration yeah that's really interesting and it really well may be it's like yeah we're we're used to kind of using our hands to solve problems or or you know adjust adjust something but that is that is pretty a pretty different experience we're not used to, we're used to communicating with somebody and if they know the same language we do you know they're they're going to understand us most of the time whereas you know that so when we interact with alexa or, or for better or worse words like a robot you know we we expect them there's a, there goes alexa in the background um we ex, we expect them to uh to interpret that correctly yeah man that's that's some deep shit we're getting in it and that also ties back to our original story. So, yeah, so I don't know. That's that's the Harmony Hub. I think um, if if the iOS app, so that's I don't know if that was clear. Like at what I was talking about at the end, that there's an iOS app. I mean, there's an Android one too, right? But you can run this app on your phone, and you can get basically all the same commands that you would get from that hardware remote. So if you want to tweak something specifically, you can just pull out your phone, and you have access to controlling any of these devices from there as well. But the app itself is just terrible, and yeah, um, so it's frustrating to use. So, and I didn't get it to you know to use my phone as a remote. If I wanted to use a remote, I would have got the one that had the hardware remote with the buttons. I really just want to yell at at a cylinder and have shit happen. Right, and it's not it's not working. So it's good, not happening. Huh? I mean, I still have it set up, and I mm-hmm. still it's again it's easier to say it again. You know, Alexa, turn on turn on the Apple TV, Alexa turn on the apple tv oh okay there it goes right (laughs) that's actually easier than like finding the remote or you know managing you know because and a lot of times i i started i created this setup because there were like four remotes that were required you know one was for the speakers that changed the volume one was to turn on the tv to turn on the projector and it was literally just for the power button to turn it on one was for changing the input on this little hdmi switcher and one is for the Apple TV, right? Gotcha. So there's, there were literally four remotes, and each of which had basically one function. So to me, this was a lot easier. I can just say one command, and four actions will happen. And when it works, it's great. It's just that you know, one out of twenty times, it doesn't work. Right. Interesting. And the and the troubleshooting is is hard too because if you know if three of the four devices got the correct command. You have to kind of figure out based on, you know, which LEDs turned on and which one, which of the real remotes you need to fish out to, you know, to fix the one thing that didn't work. Yeah, I'm curious to see if you, you know, fiddling around with hardware, the location of things, or even just getting used to it, you know, improves over time or or you get used to some of the hindrances. And again, maybe you interpret them as being still worth it, it sounds like. So I'll I'll be curious to see how you feel after you you know, maybe have it for a couple more months even. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, I think things have pretty much settled down it and I still use it. So, right. Um, it feels like ultimately it is worth it. And I would, I would recommend, um, someone with a complex, uh, home theater setup to try something like this. And it, especially if you're the kind of person who likes to kind of tinker with things, cause yeah. there is always an element of like when it breaks, it might be frustrating if you're trying to watch a show, but it's also kind of a fun project to try to re-optimize or change your workflow a little bit and try to make something cool happen. 